Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Grace Fellowship Church. We're glad that you chose to, to be part of our faith family this morning, especially for those of you online. Uh, we're glad that you're here as well. Well, uh, we're in the middle of an interesting season here at Grace Fellowship. Uh, we're in the midst of a three-week period of prayer and fasting that we are focusing on uh, growing more in our love for our neighbors, more in our relationship with them. In fact, uh, as you exit today, in case you haven't picked it up yet, we've given everybody a book uh, called Revival Starts Here. It's about fasting. And you're welcome to pick one of those up when you leave, even if you're just a guest of ours today. And in there as well is a prayer guide that we've been going through for the last three weeks. The first week we focused on uh, praying for our neighbors that happen to be our family. <laughs> those are the people that we are our neighbors that we're with the most, those that we live with. And then the second week we, we prayed for our neighbors in general those around us in our neighborhoods, or maybe where we work as well. And then this week, beginning tomorrow, you're going to see on the guide that, that we're praying for the least of these, just like we just sang in that song. And we're going to focus on the least of these in our community. So please pick one of these up before you leave and join with us in that. Now, it's interesting. Where does that phrase come from in the first place? I know some of you know, but some of you may not. The phrase, the least of these. Well, it comes from Matthew 25. And we're going to talk uh, for a few minutes this morning about the least of these. We're going to look at a couple of passages, and we're going to start right off in Matthew 25. So if you want to turn there, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, you can follow along on our screen, I believe, or on our app as well for those of you uh, that like to follow along there. And we're going to take a look at Matthew 25, and we're going to look at a particular section, not the whole story uh, that Jesus tells here about the least of these, but we're going to focus on a few key parts of it. And so we'll begin, and let me set the scene for us. This is just a short period of time before Jesus goes to the cross. And he's kind of ending his time with his disciples, reminding them of some of his most important things. And he's starting to talk to them about the future, about how he's going to be gone for a period of time, about his return, not just three days later, but also his re return a number of years later, sometime in the distant future, when Jesus comes to receive us as his bride. And he's telling them to be watchful. And he's telling them, finally, this story that he wants to share with them about not just the future, but he connects the future to the present. That one day he's going to gather all the nations around him, and he's going to be at his throne there. And then he tells them this story. And we're going to start in Matthew 25 with verse 34. All right, so follow along with me there. And Jesus says, Then the king will say to those on his right, those who are gathered all around him, Come, you who are blessed by my father. 
Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Now, here's the context of this story. He's in the midst, had just been in the midst of talking to them about future things. Things are going to happen way in the distance from when they were back in the first century there. That they're going to be with him forever in heaven. And usually when you and I think about heaven, we're thinking about just the, the goodness and the joy and no more tears and no more sorrow and no more fears and worries or pain and suffering. And that's true. But in this passage, he connects the future of being with him in heaven with what we're doing presently for the least of these now. I'm not sure I'd ever noticed that before. And here's the first thing if you're following along on the app and you want to write something down here. Here's your first fill in the blanks. If we are excited about his kingdom in the future, we should be involved with the least of these now. If we're excited about spending eternity with him in heaven, what he's saying here is that we need to be involved with the least of these now. See, Jesus connected a future time of eternal rewards and punishments with service to the needy throughout this passage in Matthew 25. Now, we're not saying you earn your salvation by what you do for the poor and the needy. It's a gift by faith that we receive, by grace, by faith and trust in what he did on the cross for us. Ephesians chapter 3, or excuse me, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But he's also saying that the redeemed, those who are true followers of Jesus, will be eager to do what is good. That's what Titus 2, 14 says. That we're going to extend charity to those people in difficult situations. Well, what does this mean? Here's your second fill in the blank for the day. Those whose lives are marked those whose lives are marked by apathy toward the needy show that they have not been transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. If our lives lack compassion and service towards the needy, then our lives have not been transformed in the way Jesus meant to, in the way that Jesus wants to transform us. So here's a question. Who are the least of these? What image pops into your mind when I say that? So I have a few images for you. There's going to be some slides that pop up on the screen here, just one slide after another. Guys in the back, you can just let each slide stay up there for, for a moment or two. And I want you to think about which ones are the least of these.
Now we're going to come back to those here in just a little bit. But there's another point that I want to make from Matthew 25. And there's a fill in the blank for this as well. Jesus says that when we serve the least of these, we're actually serving him. When you give that cup of cold water to someone, or clothe that person, or visit that person, you're actually serving Jesus himself. You see, Jesus identifies with the least, not the greatest. In fact, he even describes himself as being without, as being someone in need. You see, if you go back to uh, uh, earlier in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 8, there's a particular scribe, one of the the Jewish leaders, um, who wanted to follow him. And Jesus looks at him and says this in Matthew chapter 8. He says, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He gave him a challenge. You see, for, for most of his ministry years, Jesus traveled around. He didn't work out of his home. He was on the road for those three and a half years. He didn't quite know where his, their food was going to come from. They didn't quite know where they were going to be sleeping. They didn't quite know who they were going to be staying with. They didn't know what kind of trouble that they were going to meet up with. Well, he did, but the rest of the disciples didn't. And he's asking us to count that cost as well. There should be some things in our lives that we just don't know about. And that's hard for us in Western society. You see, the scribe in Matthew chapter 8 was probably wanting to follow Jesus into his kingdom. Thinking that Jesus was going to be some kind of a ruler, political ruler, and and the, the scribe just wanted to kind of, hey, I want to be on your team. Tag, I'm here with you. But Jesus wanted the scribe to understand that to follow him is not to find earthly glory. It's to share in earthly suffering. There is no golden throne awaiting his disciples on this earth, but only privation and poverty. In the Western world, we have quite an aversion to suffering. If you watch any commercial, just about, or any advertisements, it's probably connected in some way, directly or indirectly, to alleviating some kind of suffering in our lives. And we're bombarded by that all the time. But usually that's what God uses. He uses suffering. He uses privation. He uses our need and our moments of being without something to transform us, to make us more like him. Jesus modeled this. He modeled suffering. He modeled self-sacrifice. He modeled going without for us. He modeled going out of our comfort zone to be around the least of these. From the beginning of this church back in 2003, we've always seemed to be connected with some kind of ministry for the least of these, especially the homeless. We've just kind of gravitated there, Uh, beginning with Salvation Army, Hope House, uh, Hope Haven, uh, there's just been a variety over the years. We, we seem to have just kind of drifted towards people in the homeless community and what we can do for them. And so uh, I want to introduce to you this morning a group of people that we've asked to come be our guests. Some of them are part of Grace Fellowship, some of them are not. And uh, they're going to share with you uh, a little bit of that plays in the role of, of our heart 
for the, the least of these, especially the homeless. This church, and some of you know this, some of you that are newer, this is going to be some new information for you. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes in the ways that our people are connected with the least of these here in Kingsport. And we want to share some of those stories with you this morning. So uh, folks, come on up, grab a chair on your way up, and we're going to have a little discussion here this morning and about some of the ways that we are ministering to the least of these. Let me grab that seat back there too. Thank you, sir. Come on, gather around. Make room for everybody. Welcome them, please, won't you? Give them a hand. You can come, you can come over here if you want, sure. All right. So we want to introduce you to some folks, but also some ministries uh, that we're connected to here at our church and then things that are just happening in our community well, as well. So Jonathan's going to kick us off. Uh, Jonathan Ralston here has been uh, connected with um, uh, what we call Next Supper here at our church, and we provide meals on Tuesdays and Thursdays using our industrial-sized kitchen. You might not have seen it, but back in that corner of the building is an industrial-sized kitchen that we want to use and serve our community with and steward well. And so Jonathan's been involved with that. Tell us about that ministry and who that ministry is helping, Jonathan. Thanks, Andy. So as Andy said, the next supper is probably one of the uh, longest living ministries around here in terms of helping out the homeless community. Mm-hmm. And as it said, every Tuesday and Thursday morning, a group of dedicated and organized volunteers cook enough food to feed about 100 people. And a lot of that food comes from either Second Harvest or things that y'all might donate, such as ground beef, uh, from time to time. And that, that food is then taken to Hunger First, where it's uh, distributed to the homeless population. You know, that's a little, a little bit different during the pandemic, but it's, and Hunger First also has a food pantry that, where they can distribute non-perishable food uh, to the homeless population. And one of the unique things about Hunger First that uh, you may not know is that it's the only ministry in Kingsport that serves the homeless, no questions asked. Asked. That is, it, it, there are a lot of people that may, you know, be homeless people that may, may be suffering uh, from ongoing addictions or they've had behavioral problems that have gotten them kicked out of other ministries. So the Hunger First will serve those people that have no place else to go because of those issues, you know, as long as they don't get into fights or you know, cause threats of physical harm to other people there. They'll, they'll serve those people. And on a personal note, I wanted to say, so I work at an office downtown several days a week. And, you know, from time to time, we'll have homeless people come into our building or around our building. And, you know, a couple of ladies I've encountered there uh, and like that in the last, I don't know, six months. The biggest thing I've seen about them is that they are, um, off, they're, besides being financially broke, they're, you know, they're definitely broken, and some of them have been physically abused by their significant other, and so they feel tossed aside. They feel uh, alone and forgotten, 
And you know, ministries like hunger first, ministries like hunger first, and what, what we do here, here with the next supper, are definitely just a, a way to show them that they're not forgotten. That there, there's pe- people like us that remember them. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for for sharing with us a little bit about the, your heart for the homeless there and how that directs you personally. Uh, Bill, you're next. This this is Bill Hamilton. He and his wife Kim have been a part of Grace for a number of years. And uh, he's kind of stepped into a, a leadership role and volunteering with um, a connection that we have with a ministry called Family Promise. So, Bill, tell us about Family Promise and how we're involved in that. Thank you. Uh, you may have heard of Interfaith Hospitality Network. That, that's how Family Promise had started uh, here in Kingsport. It's been 20 years. Uh, work starting their 21st year. I'm not sure how long Grace has been involved on that, but it's, it involves the faith community. So it's shelter and rehousing. So folks that, uh, families with children, which 35 or 40% statistically of homeless involve, you know, kids, families like this that are temporarily unhoused. So family promised uh, getting involved with our faith community, with us being one of 13 churches that, that will host typically uh, and give that shelter part um, uh, to, to these, these families. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, with the past year, the, the nuances changed where typically there is a day house downtown uh, near uh, First Baptist. The uh, First Presbyterian has a house that they lease to Family Promise. That's where the offices of staff and volunteers are. So these families go there every morning. There's transportation to get them there. Uh, and, and then they are helped to start the process to find, you know, housing uh, so they can get rehoused. There, there are grants available, uh, and they find jobs and, and things like that. Uh, but in, you know, 5 or 5.30, they are provided transportation to host churches like Grace. So we would typically have volunteers, and life groups have been just so wonderful, providing uh, meals um, for these families uh, that most they can host are four families, just uh, how the program's set up. So a uh, variety of meals, and, and it's just a chance for life groups to uh, basically just love on these families. Uh, then the other big thing that we would do in spreading out throughout the church, uh, they're already provided roll-away beds, but we'll provide you know sheets and toiletry items and towels and things. We do have showers here, cold showers, but they are <laughs> available. But um, uh, you'll have overnight host, you know, just to be available if our guests need any assistance that mm-hmm. night. It's just now uh, the the families are using a hotel Super Eight out in the Colonial Heights area, so that's where they're spending mm-hmm. the nights now. So we don't have that opportunity currently to host, but. We hope that'll change later this year. So is that, is that the plan? You, have you heard anything about a timetable and when we might be able to have them back in our facility? Well, uh, as far as all the host churches would have to come on board and open up their facilities is one thing, and not sure where all the protocols are. Hmm. So uh, Monica, who's the director here, uh, she had shared there's not a certain time table on that. hope later this year. Hmm. But all 13 churches would need to be on the same page. Hmm. So... You get that rotation going. Mm-hmm. Our, we host, uh, our next hosting is actually Mother's Day that week. Mm-hmm. So what we've been doing as a church, thanks to your giving and love uh, financially, 
is providing uh, gift certificates like Food City, money, you know, just so the staff can buy food for them rather than us as life groups, you know, you know doing that. So, the, you know, that's not going to happen <laughs> my Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. But eight, August 1st is our next week. We'll see, you know, uh, just wherever the Lord leads on that. Sure, sure. We'll keep that in mind then for, for the first week of August, hopefully then. Uh, and wh why get involved in this bill? Why get involved in, in, in Family Promise with what you've done? What's, what's your heart for the homeless like? Well, uh, one, one of the things, I uh, had a next-door neighbor uh, who uh, had been, been involved through Waverly Road and Presbyterian for a number of years. And so that meant a lot to me, hearing him tell the stories, and he would host a lot and all. And if you, you know me, I like to organize things. So that's as far as... Uh, doing that here, I'm glad to do that, but being able to, you know, be a part of, of uh, not just a financial, which is a huge help, but then, you know, even for that week, if you can hang out, and not, not all the families want to retell their stories, but, you know, when they are comfortable doing that, you want to listen and offer encouragement, and uh, their cups are definitely empty. Mm. Uh, you know, many times, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Mm. So offer that encouragement and just let, you know, the Lord work through us to, you know, share his love that way. That's right. And we've had a number of those families that have continued to just come back and visit us and be a part of our faith family for a period of time as well because of the connection that you all have made with them. So great job. Thank you for all you do with them. So I'm going to pass this on down this way. This is Brian Miller. He and his wife, Jeannie, have been a part of Grace for many years as well. And Brian has some, some interesting hats that he wears. He works at Eastman, but also has spent time on uh, the board of the United Way and now with the Chamber of Commerce. So, Brian, tell us a little bit of your, your background and history with, with the homeless situation here in Kingsport. Because you come at it from a, not just a faith perspective, but a citywide perspective as well. Yeah, thank you, Andy. So I was on the board of uh, United Way from 2016, 2019. I chaired it the board the last year I was there, but we started studying in more detail the homeless situation in Kingsport probably in 2018. We had uh, Chief Quillen come and speak to our board. Is it former Chief Quillen now? Former, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, so we had uh, uh, Chief Quillen come and speak to us about the perspective uh, from, you know, the policing uh, issue and how, they, how they're trying to deal with homeless from, from that standpoint because it definitely engages the uh, the police from time to time. We had Chris McCart, uh, you know, he was on the board, but also shared with us many issues that the city of Kingsport's dealing with with the homeless situation. If, if you all read the paper and uh, follow those issues, you know that, you know, there's some challenges in our community from, uh, from the city of Kingsport standpoint. We also did some of our own um, uh, deeper dives with uh, studying some of the other communities that have been successful uh, addr addressing the root cause of homelessness in the community and trying to, you know, one example is uh, a ministry in Knoxville called uh, Knoxville Area Rescue Mission. And uh, when Jenny and I were in college, we got to hear uh, uh, Monroe Free several times speak at our the church we attended in Knoxville, and that was uh, that was interesting. The work he was doing there in, in that in that ministry, but the model they've developed, we tried to take a lot of the components of and that all led to uh and so if you if you uh, donate money to the united way i uh you'll you'll hear a great story in a minute from jonathan but uh you know thank you for that but we uh, we decided to kind of go out on a limb and and uh create a new position uh 
in partnership with the city, and they also hired another type of counselor to deal specifically with the homeless, and we were able to hire uh, Jonathan Anderson uh, to join the United Way, and he came in with a you know a significant amount of experience uh, dealing with uh, homeless situations and another ministry he'll tell you about in a minute. So uh, again, real real excited about being able to make some traction there, and uh, just a, another a bit about the United Way has a uh, you know three to four million dollars a year that they get from the community. A lot of that money gets redistributed back out to local community chests. We do have about $200,000 a year that we can apply to initiatives that target the root cause, you know, of problems and try to get uh, in the impact cabinet, you know, leaders and experts and people that can really, you know, help target uh, things like the, the opioid drug abuse problem. We've uh, been very active there. Uh, and and uh, homelessness was another one that we, uh, we invested in with, uh, with a resource. And then I'll just mention, uh, I've been on the Kingsport uh, Chamber of Commerce for, I guess, ever since we moved back. I moved back from Martinsville in 2014. And one of the things I'm excited about we're working on now, which is really more a prevention activity, we're, uh, there's a couple of initiatives trying to, trying to grow the construction workforce in our region. If you're trying to build a house right now or do any kind of remodeling, you know how hard it is to find uh, qualified uh, craftsmen. So there's a broader effort to look at construction uh, workers and how to grow that population, which gives people jobs and, and dignity and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It also fits a need from an economic standpoint. The other thing we're working on is a, a work study program. And we're starting, we're probably going to start that out, you know, just with our Dobbins Bennett High School, but it could certainly grow. But it would be a work study program where high school kids that are qualified could actually go into employers and work and actually earn an income while they're in college, while they're in high school. And it, it's really targeting the kids that aren't, that are career and technical oriented. They're not planning on going on to a, at least a, a traditional four-year college. So uh, if you, if any of y'all know Jeff McCord, he's working at the state level now, but he's done a lot of workforce development work in our area. And he says there's two things you need to do. Uh, one is you need to be able to read by third grade at reading le at third grade level, and you need to earn a paycheck by the age of 16. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, thinking back at when I was growing up, how important it was to have a little money to spend. And you think about uh, there's about 200 kids a year that graduate from from uh, our Dobbins Bennett High School that don't plan to go on to college. And if you don't, if they don't have something to go to when they graduate, like a job, uh, you know, it's it's easy to to make some poor choices and get off on uh, you know the wrong path, and it's oftentimes hard to recover. Uh, the other thing I'll mention real quick is uh, back on the United Way, we uh, we had a chance to go to the uh, summit on uh, children down in Greenville, but it was really targeted around poverty in our area. And, uh, and I learned about this uh, adverse childhood experiences. It's called ACES. And any of you that do social work or work in probably education or medical know about that, probably a lot more than I do. But it was, it was eye-opening about any of those uh, adverse childhood experiences that, that uh, children have 
that go unaddressed into adulthood lead to a lot of negative outcomes. Uh, you know, uh, uh, substance abuse, uh, domestic violence. And we've got a real problem there too in, in our community. But, uh, you know, and homelessness was certainly one of those outcomes. And uh, three, I think 61% of our uh, population of children experience at least one adverse childhood experience mm -hmm. in Tennessee, and about 25% experience three or more. So right. there, there's a lot of stress on, on kids, and that was one of the images you had up there were a bunch of sure. kids, and you, you never really know unless you know those kids which ones are going through those kind of adverse situations. So yeah. thank you, Andy. Well, thank you, Brian. Thank you for sharing your heart for, for that issue. And it's, it's a complex issue. You, you just named all kinds of different things that play a role in how people become uh, in a tough, difficult situation where they're in need. So thank you for sharing about that. Uh, David Quillen is next up, and he and his wife Mitzi have been a part of Grace for a long time. He is the former police chief here in, in uh, uh, Kingsport, and as you can see, something has happened since he retired just a few months ago, and uh, I hope that's with Mitzi's uh, permission, I believe. Uh, well, uh, we'll see. Okay, back to that. Like, we'll leave that for another, another time. Uh, so, David, tell us a little bit about First of all, tell us about your heart for the homeless. Before we get into this in terms of your police background, tell us about just your own personal heart for, for this situation. Yeah, so, uh, you know, as Andy mentioned, I, I retired recently, uh, 35 years, the last eight as chief. Uh, but, you know, that, to answer that question, I guess I go back to the very early days of when I started as a police officer here in Kingsport. You know, it was so different. 35 years ago. Uh, you went to the police academy and you came back and really for about a week or two, all you did was uh, ride with a veteran officer for, you know, just for, like I said, a couple weeks and uh, several different ones. And that's so much different than it is now because we have such a, um, a strict uh, field training program in place now where it's three months long and it's it's very intense but it's, it was so much different back then and and I remember I had just graduated the police academy and um, went into roll call one night was working graveyard and graveyard started at 10 o'clock at night and lieutenant he said Quillen he said tonight you'll be with uh, Anderson talk, he was actually talking about Wayne Anderson who went on to become sheriff of Sulma County mm -hmm. I said, yes, sir. So we finished up roll call, and we, uh, I got in Wayne's car, and um, he was going to let me drive. And uh, we were kind of uh, assigned the, uh, the downtown Lynn Garden area. And um, I asked Wayne, I said, you mind if I get something to eat? I said, I didn't get to eat before I come in. He said, sure. So I, I drive up... Uh, Drive up Lynn Garden Drive, and I could pull in McDonald's there, and I'm in the drive-through, and and uh, I asked Wayne, I said, you, "You you want something?" He said, "No." He said, "I'm good." He said, "I ate before I came in," and so I get on up to order. He said, "Go ahead and get me a, a cheeseburger, fry, and a coke." So I, I pull up, and I got two cheeseburgers, two fries, and two cokes, and we pulled out, and uh, I said, "I didn't think you were hungry." He said, I'm not. He said, drive down Lingard Drive. 
So I drove down Lincoln Garden Drive, and he told me to pull under the Stone Drive overpass there on Lincoln Garden Drive. He said, just pull over here on the side of the road. And I pulled over, and we waited for a couple minutes. And after a couple minutes, there was this gentleman that came out from the, the bushes. And uh, he came up, and he said, Wayne, how you doing? And Wayne knew him by name. His name was Howard. And uh, they talked for a little bit, and Wayne got that cheeseburger and frying Coke and, and gave it to Howard, and we drove off. And nobody, I didn't say anything for a couple minutes, and he didn't say anything, you know, a couple minutes went by, and he said, you know, he said, police work is so much more than just enforcing the law. And, and that was 35 years ago, and I never forgot that lesson. I, I never forgot that man's name. I never forgot the order. Mm -hmm. It just kind of stuck with me all those years, and so... I just kind of carried that forward, I guess, over over my career, and um, you know, it just kind of helped guide me along. Mm. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So then, speak a little bit more then to the complexity of the issue in Kingsport, and just the the successes and and and, and failures even of what. How does the city and how do you all did you all try to work together to to combat this issue? Yeah. So great question. So uh, being homeless. Is not a crime. Uh, driver's license and proper hygiene are not prerequisites to use a city park or sit on a city bench. And it's as simple and as complicated as that. Mm -hmm. But that was that was my message when I became chief to uh, to the troops. If I said that once, I probably said it 500 times. Not only to them, but to anybody else that would listen. Uh, Jonathan's heard me say that numerous times in, in various presentations and things that we've we've done, but you know, probably um, we really started to see an uptick in um, the number of homeless here in Kingsport. Um, I don't know, probably three or four years ago, I guess. And during the the eight years or so that I was chief, there is not one topic that I spent any more time on than this issue. I mean, there was a period of time of about about 18 months that literally it was seven days a week for me. I mean, it was when I would get home at night, I was on the phone, uh, phone calls, text, emails. It was on weekends. It was on Sunday mornings when we were here at church. You know, and that's why we typically set it to back because I knew I was going to have to take a phone call, or, or I was back there working. Don't y'all tell Joel I said that, but I was <laughs> sometimes, a lot of times, I was back there working. But it was an everyday thing, um, and we began to look at. Uh, I wanted to look at best practices uh, because I knew that we were not the only area in the United States that faced this problem. So. You know, that led me to do some research and things. I went out to Colorado a couple of years ago, and, and um, I liked what I saw out there in, in regards to the, um, the management of the, the homeless situation that they had in that area. And so I brought some of those ideas back, and one of those ideas was to uh, uh, bring a social worker into the police department. Uh, we were able to to do that, uh, the, uh, the other thing that I saw out there that was successful was 
a liaison that worked within the community like Jonathan does now. And so um, it's a very challenging issue, but there have been many success stories that I, I've seen and Jonathan's seen. I mean, we've, um, as far as, you know, uh, temporary housing has been provided, uh, permanent housing, uh, a reconnection some, many times with family members. Uh, and so we've seen... Um, We've seen a lot of success. There's still a lot of work to do, but there's been a lot of successes because there's there's so many challenges when you look at the homeless population. I mean, because you have there's addiction issues, and there's there's mental health issues, and and you have people that um, that they want to live that way, and that's, of course that's their right uh, to do that. But it's a very very complex uh, issue, and you know and. So many times I would get citizens call uh, their phone calls, and 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 they would complain about what they perceived to be a problem, and it was it was simply a homeless person sitting on a bench or being in a particular area or something like that. And I got to tell you, that really put me in a tough place because I've got I, I had people complaining, and then on the other side I had the homeless who were some of the most vulnerable in our society and so it was it was just always a challenge yeah. and uh, always work to be done for sure 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 thank you well appreciate your your heart and, and your participation in that for our community and for our church as well uh this is jonathan anderson who they've alluded to a couple times jonathan does not attend here to grace fellowship been a, but been a friend of mine for a long time and a friend of a number of you for a long time as well uh, Jonathan wears a couple of different hats in our community. First of all, uh, he's started a, a, a faith-based ministry for the homeless situation called Engage Tri-Cities, and that's who we've been partnering with for about the last year, doing some service projects and things, and we'll be out there with him on May 1st as well. But he also works uh, for the city with the United Way as that homeless liaison as well. So tell them a little bit about both those hats that you wear. Yeah, sure. So uh, my wife and I moved back to the area. Uh, we had been in Charlotte for almost five years um, and moved back to Kingsport in 2016. We started Engage Tri-Cities um, with the goal of connecting churches to needs in the community. Um, one of the issues that we are actively focusing on is homelessness. Um, and then, of course, uh, as Andy mentioned, I do wear a hat of the homeless services liaison uh, for the city of Kingsport and United Way. And so my role in that position is to work with our homeless coalition. We're working to bring together folks from the uh, faith-based community, from public partnership, private partnership, um, concerned citizens, um, our local organizations, all for a goal of formulating a coordinated plan so that we can best assist those who are in homeless situations. So what can you add to this equation? What kind of successes or what kind of strategies do you see the, the, the city implementing with the, with the churches and, and sometimes by themselves and businesses to, to address this problem? Sure. So uh, we have a couple of different things going on, but um, through the coalition, we have some uh, churches that are actively involved. We have, um, you know, a lot of our organizations in the community are faith-based organizations. Um, without the church, we would have a huge uh, hole in our community um, serving in this area. And so we're very thankful for all of our churches, just like Grace and many others that um, are actively involved. Um, so we have our homeless coalition, which has churches partnering with us, as you guys have mentioned, you know, Hunger First and Family Promise and many others. Um, and then um, we, we have a couple of different things. We, you know, for a lot of folks, we will see folks on the street 
and we will view somebody as homeless through a uh, materialistic standpoint, right? And so we want to help folks with food, clothing, and shelter, and all those things are good and very necessary, um, and we're required to do that, right? Matthew 22 says, you know, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, and um, but what we have to understand is that coming together collectively in unity with a common goal and a common purpose, we have to help those help folks understand that we have to do more than just meet those material needs. We have to move from material needs to helping. Um, I, I see it through the lens of the gospel and through discipleship. We have to walk through life with folks. Um, and, you know, find out what their struggles are. How can we help them through the process? And not just necessarily give them things, but give them our time, give them our talents, give them, um, you know, the investment. Jesus was able to go and change the world because he spent time with his disciples. And in turn, in spending that time with his disciples, they in turn spent time with others. And when we spend time, we have proximity. That's what brings change. Yeah, that's great. So you, you have this ministry, you have a desire to get people off the street, and they've seen dozens of, of people get off the streets just in the last year because of this network of people working together. Uh, but you have, with Engage, you have a greater vision. Uh, tell them a little bit about, you just don't see this as, hey, let's, let's get a few people off the streets. There, there's community development and community transformation that you're looking at. Tell them a little bit about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, I was talking to Andy before service, and I said, you know, from a, thinking about it from a medical standpoint, you know, if you go to the doctor, you want them to treat the issue. You don't want them to just give you a pill or give you a Band-Aid. You want to get to the root cause. And so through Engage, we believe that the root cause of homelessness is a greater poverty issue, right? And so um, the unfortunate reality is right now in Kingsport, we have about 38% of our population that is just a little bit above the poverty uh, line. And so that would be included in the working poor. Um, so what we believe is one of the hardest hit areas in our community, and uh, Chief and a lot of other folks would back this up, would probably be the Lingarden community. Um, well, thankfully, God has actively positioned us right in the Lingarden community, and we believe that it is strictly for uh, the purpose of m helping folks move into that development phase. And so what we want to do is actively target the Lingarden community. We want to work with the families that are there. Uh, we want to work to help bring in new families. We want to help to revitalize the Lingarden community. And we know that we cannot do that without churches um, that partner with us. But in doing that, um, what you'll see is you'll see transformation. You'll see the numbers of, um, you know, crime data go down. You'll see, um, you know, addictions and overdoses go down in that community. Um, and, and what we believe is that, you know, Jeremiah 29, he's uh, talking about, you know, you've been sent into exile, but, you know, build homes, move into the community, because when the community prospers, that's when you will prosper. And so what we believe is engaged, we've been positioned in that community so we can move into the community, and so that community will begin to prosper, and that's when we'll see everything else begin to prosper. Yeah, it changes the whole city. Absolutely. Not just that area. So, well, I hope you've enjoyed this today. I hope it's brought some, some ideas to mind, some perspective to mind about the least of these in our community. So give them a hand as they, they head back to their seats. Thank you guys very much. You can keep that with you. Well, to finish up here, just a few more thoughts. So, so what do we leave with today? What do we do with this? Um... Here's something to consider that may help you process this issue a little bit. 
remember the story of the, the Good Samaritan uh, that we've all heard before? Well, when Luke tells us about that story, it was a lawyer. And a lawyer was someone who was steeped in the Jewish religious tradition who asked Jesus a couple questions. And he eventually asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells him the story of the Good Samaritan about how uh, the religious people turned their, their away from the person that was on the side of the road beaten and left for dead. But the Samaritan, the enemy, was the one who stopped to help. And Jesus, after he tells that story, he ends with this question for the lawyer. He says, which of these three people proved to be a neighbor? You see, Jesus turned that question around. The lawyer asked the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus said, no, you're to be the neighbor. What if we did that same thing with this question, who is the least of these? What if we flipped that around in the same way? Because remember when I put those pictures on the screen of all those different people in all those different situations, the one that you probably did not say, oh, that's the least of these, was which one? The family on the beach. You probably just skipped right over them. But see, if we flip that question around instead of who is the list of these, what if it's all of us? Because Paul said that he was the least of all God's people in Ephesians 3. Romans 5 verse 9 says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. We were the least. We're the helpless. All of us. We're all, without God, helpless and sinners, and we need God's interceding for us. So maybe our heart changes as we see that we are actually the least of these, trying to help others who are the least of these as well. And so, what if we interjected that question or that thought into the, the four serving opportunities that we have? Here's the slide up on the screen about the things that we're offering next weekend. And in the first week of May. What if, what if for the engaged ministry, what if you provide repairs for, for temporary housing for the homeless because as the least of these, you realize your own homes are just temporary anyway. We're all just passing through. What if you decide to do the prayer walk with Keith and Debbie and you decide to go pray and intercede for our town because as the least of these, you recognize that Jesus is already interceding for you? What if you decide to donate to the, the single mom's oil change that a couple other churches are doing? Because as the least of these, you realize that you need your own daily bread and living water that only Jesus provides. And what if you decide to donate to the blood drive? And you give your blood because you know as the least of these, Jesus shed his blood for you to give us forgiveness for our sins, power to live this life, and the promise of eternal life to come. That's the good news of the gospel. We're all in need. We're all the least of these that need Jesus' transformation in our own hearts first. And we serve other people that are least of these out of that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a few minutes, and we're just going to spend some time in prayer. We've done this for the last couple of weeks. 
And I want to invite you just to consider your own heart. What's your own heart for the least of these like? Do you consider yourself the least of these? How's your heart for the homeless? What type of service may you offer here over the next week? Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.